Wow. Don't go too far, Bo. This is your message. All right. Oh, where where did Pam go? Okay, she's going to share a little bit more. Is, did she go downstairs? Okay. Boy, she's crafty. Wow. I, this was her time right there. I was going to have her share something else. Wow. Anybody need to stretch? Everybody okay? Is everybody okay? You good? Okay. But what, anybody have a great week in the Lord this week? Man, I did. I really did. And God's really got me on fire. I'm excited about Jesus. And I love that music this morning. That just surrender. Anybody love to worship this morning? Just surrendering your heart to God, keeping a pure heart before God. You are going to find out when you die that it was all about Jesus. You are. You think it's about something else and you're here today. You're going to find out when you die and you're going to go, oh, it was all about Jesus. I'm not saying you're not going to go to heaven. You gave your life to the Lord. You know, many Christians don't even know that it's all about Jesus. Your life in the scriptures, Paul was always talking about how his life was a living sacrifice, that there was one thing he was after. Paul had a vision of Jesus and who he was in his glory. Father, thank you for blessing the words this morning, our ears and the speaker. In Jesus' name, we acknowledge you in all our ways, Lord. Paul had a vision of Jesus, and he was never the same. You know, we talk a lot in this church about benefits in the gospel. Psalms 103 says, what does it say about benefits? Psalms 103, what does it say? It talks about forgiveness of sins and healing, and what does it say? What's that? Heals all our diseases and forget not all his benefits. The word tells you don't forget the benefits. When you give, does it promise you a benefit? Be honest. What does it say? It sure it does. It all over the place. Given it shall be given. Uh, give God your first fruits and your barns. There's benefits to serving God. However, however, it's not really about the benefits. My wife, I hope, didn't marry me for my benefits. Oh, Brad's got a big benefit package. Great, I think I'll marry him. She could have done a lot better if she wanted to do that. No, a benefit is a benefit, right? It's something you get, but it's not the point. What is the point of the gospel? What is the point of the Bible? What is the point of life? Just tell me if you know. Jesus. Someone said, it's Jesus. This creation... Everything here was made by him, through him, and to him. And don't ever think because I pray for you to be healed or blessed. Or, that's, that is that I love people. Jesus loves people. He wants people healed. He wants people blessed. He wants to manifest himself to us in a thousand ways. But that's, that, even that alone will not satisfy you. The only thing that's going to satisfy you it's deep in your heart that you yield your life to Jesus. I preach it all the time. I had this thought this week about Jesus. Uh, there's a, some people teach grace like, you know, we're saved by grace, and then I, no one here does, but then you're saved by grace, and then pretty much 
It doesn't really matter what you do. You're just saved and you can nebulously just wander into heaven like I'm saved and I still steal and I lie and I do all these things. And, you know, God loves me and I'm saved by grace. You are absolutely saved by grace. That means you can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You'll never be good enough. It's not your own righteousness. Your righteousness is what Jesus provides for you. But, but, but... There is a plan and a purpose that God and a design that God has for your life. And if we do not get into that plan and purpose and design for our life, we will never be fulfilled. No man, I'm not looking at you, Dina. No man, I see you guys snuggling back there. No man is ultimately going to make you happy or satisfy you. In fact, if you think so, you will put such a burden on him, he won't be able to bear up under it. No woman can make you happy. I don't care how beautiful she is. She cannot fulfill the deepest existential needs of your life. Amen? As good as Pam's got it, I'm not enough. And she, she said amen. I hope you heard her say that. It's the truth. Our hearts are made for Jesus. Our life is made for Jesus. We're all designed different. We all have different functions and purposes. I had this thought this week, and I really believe it was a Holy Spirit thought. If you're Pentecostal, I really believe it was a Holy Ghost thought about Jesus. It's like the Spirit said, what would have happened if Jesus would have come to earth and he would have just kind of done his own thing? Right? Um, I'm saved by grace. The Father loves me. This is Jesus you know what, I'm tired of these people in Jerusalem, they're giving me a hard time, all these religious people, I think I'm going to go on a Caribbean cruise. I'm just going to check out, go lay in the sun, I heard Todd White's preaching, I think I would enjoy that, I'm just going to lay on the deck and just enjoy myself, I'm getting out of Jerusalem. What if Jesus would have said, you know what, you know, this life is just too much day in and day out, I just need a break, I'm just going to take a year off. When, after his ministry started. What if he had decided, well, I just met Cindy Lou Who, and I really think she's cute, and I really want a personal relationship with somebody. What if Jesus would have had these thoughts? What if Jesus would have had the thought, well, God saved me by grace, and what I do does, doesn't really matter. I'll just go my way, kind of do what I want, and when I die, I'll just go to heaven anyway. What, you ever think about that? What if Jesus had the attitude that some of us have? Bible says we walk in his steps. Bible says we're conformed to his image, whether you like it or not. The whole purpose, if Christ lives in us, then we're going to walk by him. The whole word's full of it. The good news is that all this comes by the grace of God. God will do for you what you can't do for yourself. He will put you where you need to be. He will empower you to do what you're supposed to do. He will help you. But we're not saved just to walk in stubbornness and independence and self-will. Did you know that? Am I getting on you? Does that sound like I'm getting on you? I'm not. I'm just telling you that, that what life is truly about is walking after the purpose. And you will find, you know, there's a debate in the church sometimes. Some people say, you know, we're no longer servants, we're sons. How many believe that? I, mean, I do. We're sons, right? You don't have to be afraid. We're sons. However, all of these sons... Yeah, thank you. Have to serve. The Bible, Paul calls himself a servant. James calls himself a servant, a slave, a doulos. P 
Peter calls himself a servant. We are truly sons of God, but we're sons that serve. There were two sons that Jesus talked about. One was given a chore. He said, I'll do it. You got kids like this. Don't have to raise your hand. I'll do it. I'm happy. And he didn't do it. The other one says, I'm not going to do it. But he went out and did it. He said, which one did the father's will? Obviously the one that did it, right? One that went out and did it. We are sons. God does love us, but we have responsibilities. I heard one man uh, believe it so much, he said that he believes that people's eternal destination uh, will be affected by what the church does or doesn't do. How many believes that what the church does globally is going to affect the salvation of people all over the world? Do you believe that, the international church? How many of you believe that what the church does or doesn't do just in the United States will affect people's salvation? Okay. How many of you believe in this state of Ohio, if the church doesn't do what it's supposed to do, that means pray, share the Lord, give, fast, whatever it is God's calling, you'll have a grace to do it. Whatever he's given you grace to do, that's what it says. He's given you grace to do something. If you don't do it, people will be affected for eternity in this state. How many believe that? How many believe in our city of Utica or Newark that if the church doesn't do what it's supposed to do, fulfill its calling by the grace of God, that people will be affected for eternity? How many of us believe that if you don't do what you're supposed to do individually, that people will be affected for eternity? They will be. They will be. You've got parents that don't pray for your kids. Well, I don't want them actually to take that tone. I really, I really don't. I want to encourage you. My point is, folks, we have a mission just like Jesus did, just like Paul did, just like Peter did. And the more that you know the Lord, the more you'll feel the joy of it. Philippians says, Paul said, I count it joy. I heard, you can check me on this, he wrote the book in prison. Is that true? Anybody else hear that? He wrote the book in prison. And from prison, he's saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice from prison. Jesus is on the cross, and the only thought Jesus has on the cross is, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. He was a laid-down lover of God. Of course, he was God in the flesh, but he's obeying his Father. He's on the cross. He's saying, Father, forgive them. When Stephen died, the first martyr in the church, Paul, then called Saul, was there consenting to it. He looked up in heaven. He saw Jesus at the right hand of God. And he said, Father, forgive them. We struggle forgiving our spouse if they don't do the toothpaste tape tube the right way. And <laughs> they squeeze from the top or the bottom. You know? I've told the story. It's true. Had someone in church got offended because someone moved their purse, we never saw them again. Just because someone just took their purse and moved it one row back. Never saw them after that. Come on. Come on. Jesus died on the cross. This life we live laid down for the Lord is not just for ourselves. Now, the good news is, the good news is, whatever goes out comes back in. That's how we receive from God. How many knew that? You don't just say, God, make me happy. In fact, Viktor Frankl, he wrote the book, Man's Search for Meaning. He was a prisoner in the Auschwitz. His wife died. He lost, I've told it before, he lost his wife, lost his dad and mom, lost his family. 
he lost his career. He was a psychiatrist, everything. In fact, he said that when he went there to Auschwitz, they shaved every hair off his body. All he had left was his bare, naked existence. That's all he had. And he said he learned that people cannot live in situations like that if they don't have a purpose. They have to a purpose greater than their own existence. There has to be something bigger. You'll never survive if you don't have a greater purpose that you're striving for. And it's true. That's what the word, when Jesus was teaching kingdom principles, and I love kingdom principles, if we'll learn to live by them, You'll find that you can literally live by the Word of God. When Jesus said things like, give and it shall be given, He's telling you, it's what St. Francis of Assisi said. He said, when we love, we get love. It's in forgiving that we are forgiven. When we give mercy, we get mercy. That's how the gospel works. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If you sow to the Spirit, you will what? Reap of the Spirit. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap what? That's for Christians and non-Christians. As a Christian, we are to live and move and have our being in the Spirit of God and learn to grow by the grace of God. It's, you know, I know it's, you're not going to perfect it all at once. You're not going to be perfect once. No one's going to look at you and see if everything in your life is perfect right away. What the Lord wants is for you to grow. He wants you to increase. It's fruit, fruit is something that takes time. Amen? God wants, he's a fruit inspector. He comes to that tree three years in a row looking for fruit. He's a fruit inspector. He wants to see fruit growing in your life. We're not under law. We're not under nitpicky. We're not under criticism. We're not under judgment. No one's going around pointing the finger at you. God's not doing that. Grace is given to you so you can grow. Someone say amen. amen. It is. That's why you have grace. That's like the Lord has shown me this because it's easy to get in legalism like, well, I'm not doing good and you didn't do this and you didn't do that and that person's mad because you said this and you, and get yourself so condemned under legalism. On the flip side, it's easy to get under, well, it doesn't matter what I do. I can do this. God loves me. It doesn't matter. Both are wrong. Grace is given to you so that you can grow. God like, man, I messed up again. I, you know, I lost my temper. Please forgive me. Uh, teach me, God, I had an opportunity to share Jesus, and I chickened out. I don't want to. How many don't want to chicken out? You'd like not to chicken out. How many of you have ever chickened out? How many chickened out this week? Be honest. I did. I did. I think I chickened out once this week. I had a set. I chick, but I didn't chicken out about 20 times this week. But I did one time. I chickened out. I wanted to <laughs> go ahead. Like, I chicken out. I just, you know, so what I do, I've learned I don't beat myself up. I, I go to God. I, I get in prayer, me and the Lord. I say, God, give me grace. Give me grace. Give me grace. Give me grace, Lord, because I want to conform to Jesus' image. He is not condemning me. Grace is given to you so you can grow. Say amen. amen. It's true. The, the, the problem is, is when we don't want to grow. Anybody not want to grow? Put your hand down. Quick. I'll be honest, I've given up before. Let's, let, let me ask it that way. How many here have ever given up? How many gave up this week? Keep your hands down. Bobby did. There's times we just give up. Do you know God's even gracious about that? 
I'll give you an example. I'm, I'm a scriptural person. When Peter failed, he denied the Lord. He was so condemned because he denied Jesus. He's like, he denied Jesus three times. He's so condemned. And he says, I'm just going to go back and be a fisherman again. I'm done. I, I, I can't do this. I'm no good at it. I'm done. I'm going fishing. And Jesus is standing on the beach. And Jesus, after his resurrection, and he's making Peter uh, a fish meal. And Peter comes back. And Peter is embarrassed and ashamed because he denied the Lord. And the Lord asked Peter, do you love me? Do you agape me? Do you love me? And Peter said, yeah, Lord, I, I like you. That's what he said. I phileo you. He said, he said, do you agape me? Do you love me? Yeah, I like you, Lord. Three times the Lord asked him, do you love me? How many times did Peter deny the Lord? Three times. And Peter was like, I, he said, Lord... He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus didn't argue with him. He said, feed my sheep. And he even told him how he was going to die. By what death he would glorify God. He said, Lord, you know that I love you. Do you think Jesus loved him? He, re he forgave him. He reaffirmed him. And he reassigned him back to his original assignment. And he built his church. Yeah, amen. On it. Yes. Isn't that good? He'll do the same for you. In my own life, more times than I care to admit, I've given up. Sometimes twice in one week. <laughs> Give up in one day. I've said it many times. It's like, and I'll use it again. I know I use the same examples over and over, but I like this one. Anybody remember the Weebles? What did weebles do? The weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. Christians are just weebles, folks. We're Holy Ghost weebles. The devil punches us, life gets, and we're just wobbling everywhere. You know, what happens? You get mature and you don't wobble as much. You start, you know, you just start, you don't wobble as much. You still wobble a little bit. And Jesus is like, he's unwobbable. <laughs> you punch Jesus, he's just like, you can't wobble, but we still wobble. And you're a baby Christian, you get wobbled everywhere. But your feet are anchored in the Lord. Amen? Amen? As long as your feet are anchored in the Lord. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. And I'll tell you what it is without preaching my next week's message. I got a scripture to, to give you guys. I'll tell you what it is without preaching next week's message. It's the resurrection power of Jesus that's in you. You have something inside of you that doesn't want to quit. You have something inside of you that's a giant slayer. You have something inside of you that's bigger than you are. It's when we're small, uh, wasn't there, didn't Steve Martin have something about getting small? Wasn't there something getting small? When we get small, when we retire, when we walk away, when we quit, it's just us. It's us. We want to cave in. We want to quit. But as a believer in Christ, there is resurrection power in you, and you just can't quit. Anybody just can't quit? I can't. I've been wobbled. I've, I mean, I've had, you know, the devil like Muhammad Ali give me a haymaker. I'm down on the ground. Oh, he's done now. Boom, right back up, you know, because of the resurrection power of the Lord. Peter said to Jesus, and this is how I feel, and I hope you do too. He said, when all these people left Jesus because they thought Jesus was crazy. And by the way, did you know that people thought Jesus was crazy? Who knew that? 
They thought he was nuts. Eat your flesh. You are crazy. This guy's got a demon. The Pharisees, the religious people in the church, accused Jesus of having a demon. Did you know that? If they accuse Jesus of it, they're going to accuse you of it. Amen. Amen. Tell you how you know you got Jesus is when you love people. When you learn to love people, your people that say good things about you, people that say bad things about you, you just love people, period. That's Jesus in you. That's how you know you're on the right track. We, need all, we all need a little work there, I'm sure. Where was I? It's true. They'll know you're Christians by your love. That's how you know. By the, fruit, by the fruit of love in someone's life. They accuse Jesus of it, they'll accuse you. But folks, but folks, we have something bigger in us. You have a calling and an anointing. And if we want to be fulfilled, we want to experience the abundant life that God promised us, it's not going to be just claiming benefits. I believe in the benefits. I do. I believe in them. You know I do. It's not going to just be claiming benefits all the time for yours. That's a very selfish life. Now, I, I believe I got this. I believe I got that. Believe it for somebody else. Amen? Share it with somebody. It's okay. To, I mean, I want you. I'm going to teach you how to get your benefits by faith. But believe in it. Go, go stretch out. And if you really want Jesus flowing through you, the way the benefits, again, you're going to do that. I heard a man say, I preached it many times, whatever you want God to do in your life, do it for somebody else. Do it for somebody else. I, I eventually, I, would, I believe God that one day this wall is coming down right here. It's not about, amen, got, got once two of us, that's 10,000 we're chasing, and it's going to be out, and this church is going to be full of people learning about Jesus. It's not about personal success or having a big church. It's about people being discipled, people being saved, people coming to Christ, people being healed, marriages being restored, depression lifting off of people, people learning their value to God, people learning that they're loved, depression skedaddling out of people's lives, any benefit, anything, the kingdom of God. I believe in that, and I believe one day that wall will be gone, and it's going to come down. I believe that, and because I believe it, Every month, you know what I do because I believe it? I send another guy money, another preacher. I'm not, again, I'm not talking about my giving, but I send another preacher an offering for his building. You know why I do it? Because the Bible says whatever you make happen for someone else, God will make happen for you. It says however you treat somebody. I believe that. I believe in sowing and reaping. So I'm sowing into somebody. I, I love this guy. He's a brother in the Lord. I love him. I'm not doing it haphazardly. I really believe it. So I'm sending that seed out there saying, because I believe that that's how the kingdom of God works. Whatever you make happen, for, if you love, you're going to get love. I talked about that earlier. You forgive, you're going to walk in forgiveness. Why am I saying all this? Folks, is I want to reorient our church back to the vision and the purpose that God has for this church at Grace Point. It's very easy to lose our focus on many areas, and there are many good things. I'm not against any of them, but the Bible says that Jesus came to seek and saved, save that which is lost. Didn't it say that? The Bible says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifested 
that he might destroy the works of the evil one, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. He came to set humanity free. Everybody in this country, we want to teach it and believe it and grow in the freedom that we have, but Jesus came to set communities free. And I know after struggling for five or six years, we will never do this on our own. It is going to take all of us together, but it's going to take Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the power of the gospel to set a community free. It's going to take a group of people that are focused together in prayer, that don't leave church on Sunday and never pray for the lost, never pray for other people, never just focus on their own life all week. It's going to take people that will be praying fasting, giving, sharing together for lost humanity. That is why Jesus came. When he died and he resurrected from the dead, what did he say? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. I've been pretty good at it. I do it myself a lot. I want to reorient the church. That is our task. I really see us as having two and there's really more, but two big, ta- one, to worship God. Even in your own personal life, you should be worshiping God, giving God the glory and praise out of your life in your own life. That should be number one in your life, worshiping God. And out of that worship with God, that commitment that you have with God, there should come a desire birthed by Christ for other people. Someone say Amen. I'm not condemning you. We're all the same. I was telling the Lord all the time, man, if I had my way, I'd just go home, eat pizza, and watch TV. Right? There's just something else in me that won't let me do that. Remember during the pandemic and everybody, how many of you watch more Netflix than you ever thought you'd watch in your life? Anybody? I'm the only one. You know what I mean? It's just so easy to eat peeps and Twinkies and ding-dongs and watch TV, isn't it? How many of you ever wanted to run a little bit? You had got your, bought your running tennis shoes, you bought your shorts, and that lasted maybe one or two jogs, and you haven't seen those tennis shoes since. Anybody? Come on, be honest. I'm the, nobody? Lately. Lately. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen you on Strava, Jace. Where have you been? That's human nature. That's human nature. But there's something bigger in us than that. There's something bigger in you. I want God to put a hunger in you, okay, to see more of Jesus in your life. Paul had a hunger. He said, I haven't arrived yet. I'm not there yet, but I'm pressing for more. More of what? More of what Jesus died for me for. If you believe that, say amen. I'm going to read this scripture. I've got to wrap this up. Turn over to Luke chapter 14. This is a reorientation just to get our focus and our shift right as a church. I got a message out of Habakkuk that I can't wait to preach. It's prophetic. I didn't say pathetic. I said it's prophetic. I'm looking forward to preaching it. Let's go. That child is fine. That's back there. I I love to hear a little noise. It's fine. I think it's verse 15. Luke 14, 15. It's also found, the story is found in Matthew 22, 11 through 14. Anybody hungry for Jesus? Anybody hungry to see people get saved, people get set free? 
Now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he, Jesus, said to them, A certain man gave a great supper, Evelyn, this is your prayer, and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. That's your job with your neighbor. Hey, come, it's ready. Everything's ready. Jesus has forgiven you. Your sins are forgiven. He's healed your diseases. He wants to lift that depression out of your life. Everything's ready. Come to the table. Come on. That's our job. Come on to the table. Jesus wants to feed you. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said, well, I bought a piece of ground and I must go and see I ask you to have me excused. And another said, well, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. That was, that's okay. <laughs> so that servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you have commanded, and there is still room. Then the master said to the servant, Go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Well, I don't want a big church. Folks, we want the house filled. I want people discipled. I love you guys. I like a small church, but we want people saved. We want people delivered. We want people taught that my house would be filled. For I say unto you, none of these men who were invited shall taste of my supper. We don't decide who gets to eat at the table, do we? Who decides that? You know, Psalms 23 says that the banquet table of Jesus is a feast. Did you know that? It's a feast. But it is our job to invite. When I lose sight of that and I get cold about it and indifferent, it's time for me to pray. I mean it. It's time for me to get into the, allow the well in my belly in prayer and ask God to shake me and get me where I care again. Me personally, you may be different. Everybody's different, I know that. If I haven't shared the gospel with somebody during the week, I'm, I'm probably well backslid. Me. If I haven't told someone about Jesus, because, because Jesus lives in me, he's going to pop out. Sometimes I try to get him to go back in there. Whoa, Jesus, whoa. You know, Jesus, whoa, you're taking me somewhere I don't want to go. You know? If he's in you, he's going to want to pop out. Our job is to seek him and say, Lord, fill me. I'm not saying that if I don't try, it's not, it has nothing to do with trying. I'm telling you, if I'm seeking the Lord unless there's something unusual going on in my life. This is me personally. You may be different. But if I haven't shared the Lord with someone for a week, I am probably well backslid. 
because he wants to get out. Some of you are wired different. Maybe some of you are prayers. Whatever it is, we should have a heart for people if we believe the gospel. Do, do we believe the gospel? Yes. Amen. Do we believe the gospel? The gospel's good news. It's about eternal life beginning today where we, we're going to get to be with God and Jesus forever. How can we believe that and not invite other people into this banquet? Come on, it doesn't just make sense, folks. Hey, Jace, I, I know you got your baby. Can you come up and sing the song, the second one about being crucified with Christ? It's right now 12. We're ending the service. Folks, the altar is open. If you want to come up and worship the Lord, if you have something that you need to repent of or give to the Lord, the altar is open. You can come up and worship God. We're going to sing. Jace, I just want to do a, a line or two of it. But if you don't know the Lord, and if you died right now, you would be eternally separated from God. The altar is going to be open. Pam and I will pray. If you don't want us to pray for you, you can kneel or stand to the side. You want to come up and worship. But if you don't know the Lord, and you don't know that your eternal life is set, that Christ is not in you, and you don't know it, and you want to be sure that you're going to the banquet, that you're, I want you to come forward, and Pam and I want to pray with you. Jesus died for your sins so you could spend eternity with him. And despite political correctness, the Word of God teaches there is a place called hell that people will spend eternity in. I would be a liar if I didn't tell you about it. Where people are separated from God because of their sins. But even better, we can be reunited with God through our faith in Jesus Christ. Our sins are already forgiven. God has already made a place for you at the table. And if you've never given your life to God through Jesus Christ, I invite you to come today and pray with me at the altar. If you want to come to the altar and repent of anything, just come to the sides to worship God. Let's stand up and sing this before we go downstairs this morning. <laughs>